As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos Podcast. I'm Abdallah Dutton, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the New Nomos is and what we need to get there. The theme of this episode started with the bullfight, but we abandoned ourselves to the conversation. And while the conversation begins with the bullfight, and it's one of the main themes that goes through the whole conversation, there is something in this episode for everyone. I refuse to box Dr. Abdul Basir into any description. So I will introduce him as one of my teachers, somebody that sees the beauty in everything, and as a bullfighting aficionado. I had the honor of being invited to his house, and we had this conversation over a pot of coffee in his garden in the Basque country in the north of Spain. So, without much further ado, I present to you episode 8, A Show of Courage, Hemingway, The Bullfight, and Formula One. One thing that I always thought was, you know, quite amazing is that somebody who was born... I think in the Chicago area, and you know, I mean, he was raised as a typical American, and he is a typical American, and at the same time, he's a unique human being, and you don't find an American like him, is Hemingway. How, coming from that origin, he was able to to write Death in the Afternoon. He is the one that, when you read him, you realize how much you do have to concentrate in every detail in the corrida, the way, for example, they used to say, and I've seen it with my own eyes, that one of the greatest Sevillian bullfighters in the modern times, which is Curro Romero, only to see him walking in the ring, putting his feet in the sand, was worth going and paying your ticket and everything. Only to see him walk. Because the extraordinary thing about, and it's exactly like in every other aspect of life, take Federer or any champion, you know, but let's say Federer is safe to take him. Take the forehand. Now the forehand is always the same, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's never the same, but it's always the same. It's, it's the forehand. But when Federer hits the forehand, nobody does like him. Nobody. He's so beautiful, apart from being very effective and in extremely intelligent. After all, bullfighting is the same. The most important passe in bullfighting is el natural. Why? Because you do it with your left hand, and the horns of the bull, when 
when you make the bull pass by you, the horns are the closest to your heart. And it's only one aspect of the of the natural. Now, everybody does a natural. You know, a novillero, a young bullfighter, when he starts, he does a natural. But from that natural when he's 12 years old to when he's Curro Romero, I mean, it's like going from a drawing that you send us to Monet or yeah. to Matisse or to Tiziano, yeah. you see? Yeah. And it's the same. I always thought it was, this, is, this was fascinating because it's the same pass, but when Curro Romero does it, people used to describe watching Curro Romero bullfighting like putting yourself out of a balcony and having a bit of vertigo in your stomach. That was how a fellow described it. Whoa. And it's, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's a most simple, I mean, it's nothing simple about the natural. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like Einstein in, a, in his relativity equation. I mean, it's, it's pure genius to do it like Curro Romero or like the great ones. But it's a very simple thing. It's like washing your hands. I mean, it's a more simple movement. And it tells you a lot, not only about bullfighting, but a lot about action and art and philosophy and, and business and, you know, sport and... But is it just because they do it again and again and consistently and consistently? They just That's only one aspect. Repetition is only one aspect. I mean, there's people who repeat the same thing and they never come out with the goods. The proper passe natural is that the bull is in front of you and is moving towards you and is going directly to you because you have the you have the the muleta you have the the, the cloth yeah. even if you have it let's say let's say that you have it a bit out of your body it's going towards you and and your piece of clothes like this directly five hundred kilos. And you have to take that and move it around you beautifully with, with a kind of harmonious, slow, impossible to describe movement. So you take it this way, and when the bull is there, you call, you, know, you bring the bull in, up, and you put it back where it was. Oh more or less <laughs> which is like more or less is like saying you know but then each bull has a different gait has a different character has a different yeah. persona like a human being so one you do the same pass with one bull it's not going to be exactly the same with the other bull and it's not going to be no no and it's not going to be the same with the same bull the next pass mm. first the bull has learned Second, well, so many things. The bull is not the same. I mean, it's like, like, like life. Second, later, things are different. Mm. Even with the same bull, I mean, of course, it's not as different as with another bull. Yeah. But even with the same bull, it's different. But coming back to the beginning, to my initial observation, talking about Hemingway, yeah. he is paramount on you opening your eyes and seeing what you have in front of your eyes. Without, without no, no 
pre, you know, your mind empty. You let it be, look at what it is. Feet, hands, knees, shoulders, face. It's a dance. So it's all the time transmuting. So it requires that concentration, which you pick up slowly. You know, maybe the first day you only pick up three things. Next day you will pick up more. So it's imperative to go for the whole festival, but each day, not just. It's, yes. not, it's not a football match. Well, I, I wouldn't say a football match requires also a, a concentration. Mm. You know, I mean, there is so many details in the football match. It's also a very rich action football. Mm. I mean, it's amazing. But there's no confrontation with your own mortality. There's no confrontation with death. No, in the same way, no. Yes, like I was saying to you earlier today, I mean, that's what fascinates me with Formula One. You have these racing drivers that are absolute masters of this machine that understand every little minute change in the vehicle, where they tweak the engine power, they know exactly how long they've been running on a certain tire, how much grip it has left. And I mean, they memorize the racetrack, I mean, to the point that they can almost do it wearing a blindfold on a simulator. I mean, they memorize the timing, when to change gears, when to press throttle, brake, throttle, brake, gears, you know. Like a musician. Yeah, like a musician. So yeah, when it comes to race day, they already know the track inside out and they can put all their effort and focus into making sure they get the absolute most out of the vehicle. And here, we have to come back to your son. Mm. When you said, what is the most important thing when you are going to conquer? And he says, to conquer yourself. Because if you know everything, if you have all mm, the instrumental affair in your hands, mm. if you don't conquer yourself before, it's not going to happen. Because when reality comes to you, your learning helps, of course, but it's not enough. Because you are left out nowhere. You are, you are nowhere. You are naked nowhere. That's where you are. And then it counts if you master yourself. It counts. And it counts the, the, qual the quality of your, let's call it a spirit, to be, to be short. I mean, it is li it's like writing. Junger used to say, I mean, says, no used to say, it says in, in this book he has about writing, he says, to write a balanced sentence, you have to be balanced yourself. <laughs> of course, you know, I, I, we are talking about poetry uh, as it is, no other things that appear as writing. Bullfighting is the same in Formula Uno, Formula One, and everything. No? Yeah, I mean, you, you say everything. And in the last episode, I was interviewing Khalid and Yusuf. And at one point, Yusuf's talking about surfing. And Khalid asked him, he said, what do you learn when you go to surf? And Yusuf replies, well, you know, first things first, you're naked. You have this wetsuit on to limit some of the, some of the cold. But I mean, that's it. And in the process, you have to conquer your fear of the ocean. 
I mean, you can't vote, you can't fight the ocean. The ocean is the majesty, the power, the weight, the force. I mean, if you fight it, you're going to lose. But you can conquer yourself, and you can conquer your own fear, and build your own courage. To, I mean, firstly to get in the water, which is ice cold, and you've got to get through to the back. So you're having to go through all of these waves, and you're having to dive underneath the water and completely submerged in this ice cold ocean and you're getting hit by the one wave and the next wave boom boom and then eventually you get to the back line and there there's a little bit of peace but now you have to find the right place to be at the right time and you have to understand the ocean and you have to watch the ocean and you have to feel the ocean and then when everything comes together, you've conquered yourself, you've found the right time, the right place, then you can catch the wave. I mean, um, it's like writing. You have to become writing. Mm. You see? You disappear and you are actually writing. So you, have, you become the ocean. You become the ocean. You see? But I mean, I don't know about surfing, but I know about writing up to a point. And I would say that you write when you become writing. So writing writes itself. The amount of writing that is granted to you, that comes by becoming writing. Mm. It might be a little or it might be Shakespeare, but it comes that way, in my opinion and experience. That's why bullfighting is so educative. I mean, it's not the only educative thing there is. Cricket is very educative, you know, since you are English. <laughs> I have, I'm obliged to refer to the kingdom of sports. <laughs> but bullfighting is very educative. Mm. It, of course, it's very, very educative for the bullfighter, but for the one, as I was telling you before, who goes to the bullfight, because you, you identify with a bullfighter. You are one with him mm. and one with the bull. So everything that he's receiving, you receive it. Mm. It's a communion. It's a communion. And that explains, you know, that answer from the public that loves bullfighting. It's, 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 it's because all together are doing this amazing human deed, no? Divine deed. Because, I mean, the, the human and the divine are one. And that's why pa pa fathers used to take their, their children, particularly males, but females, after a while, when they grew up, to experience this. And another thing that happens to you observing and contemplating bullfighting is that brief segments of your life come to, to your mind in situations for example, situations in which you have to fight against your cowardice, mm. Mm? because we, are, we all fear. So that experience of your fear suddenly comes to you when you see it in the bullfighter and how he fights against it. And, you know, and emerges from fear. Yeah. Like, you know, out of fear. Yeah. I remember in, in Ecija, where we used to have a bullfighting ring, Hemingway says that a very good way to come into the 
bullfighting world is to see the apprentices, the ones who are starting to bullfight. They're what they call novillero. Let's say novillero could be 15 years old. The bulls are younger, so two years old. The weight of the bull is less, 300 kilos, 250. And there you say it, you see bullfighting in, in his raw, naked form. And he says, it's the best entrance into the bullfighting world. And I remember, because I wanted to, to arrive here, I remember once in Ecija, an afternoon, 5.36, this young boy, quite tall, blonde, comes out, and he was in such a fear that his knees were doing like this, touching each other, mm. trembling. Now, 15 minutes later, you know what, what came out of, of my mouth? When I saw the transformation, I said, Alexander the Great. Wow. It made me think of Alexander, which is a myth for us, no? Yes. Because he's a historical figure, but has become legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, when, and we say, when you say Alexander, you say many things. Mm. Well, what it came to my mind was, here I, here I have the Alexander archetype that has, the archetype has become individualized mm -hmm. in this young man up to a point, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that very guy who couldn't hold his knees, 15 minutes later was Alexander. I never forget this. Amazing. He was handsome, you know, after, he always was handsome, but when he came out of his fear, and started to bullfight and, and did it properly, he was, in, you know, incredibly beautiful. I an angel. I mean, he was like, like one of the demigods of, mm. of mythology. Amazing. He was marvelous. <laughs> I, I mean, this totally literal, I'm telling you, eh? yeah. not inventing anything or exaggerating. But I mean, I can almost to a much lesser degree but like associate with it because there is a feeling when you've conquered a fear and you come out the other side you feel bigger you feel better now this is the stakes are exponentially higher because it's death and now he's been absolutely petrified of this animal yeah. and come through it and succeeded and of course you're going to feel like you're floating you're, you're invincible now you and the, guy, and the guy who's watching you, he also feels he's invincible. He realizes that he also has that dimension, that he can do it. He can do it now. Now he's going he's gonna to do it. This thing that he didn't dare to do it, perhaps he's going to do it. Because he got, he got the way, he saw the way that it was possible. And he saw all, I mean, because those 15 minutes are full of content. Mm -hmm. So many things have in those 15 minutes in which the, the young man is overcoming fear and getting to be the best of what he is. Because it's all there. It just takes the bull to bring it up. Yeah. And at that moment, bullfighting, the bull becomes anecdotal. 
in comparison to what has happened spiritually. You know, I mean, it's not anecdotal because not all actions give, in, give you that same uh, experience. But uh, it's anecdotal. I mean, you could say that even to play the violin marvelously, uh, you know, a sonata is anecdotal uh, in comparison to the spiritual mm. event. Like you take Karajan, you know, conducting Beethoven or Wagner or Mozart. When he did that, he reached, I mean, he, not only him, but the orchestra and the people listening to, to the performance had a spiritual, reach in a spiritual reality that becomes the main thing. So you could say the samurai, the bullfighter, the violin player, the conductor, the businessman, the surfer. You see, a surfer. Once they arrive to the spiritual, they are all in the same ground. In a different, they are not the same, you know, because the experience, but they are in, in that ground, which is spiritual. Because I imagine Yusuf under the, the waves, as you were describing, with the cold, ma, and, you know, I mean, that is hard work, hard, you know, it's like the bullfighter, in, in a way. Like the violin, I mean, every day, six hours or more, you know, at home, repeating the sonata. To the point that they can perform and make people's hearts resonate. And the, and the way is arriving at, at a point in which you disappear and you become writing, you become bullfighting, you become music, you become philosophy, you become trade, you become, you see, you become. Mm -hmm. So you disappear because all that process of you fighting and is is erasing your, 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 what they call ego. It's erasing it. And the action is absorbing you. The art is absorbing you. So then you disappear. And the more you disappear, the farther you get. That's my, in, in my opinion. So bullfighting, you know, has to be considered in this context. Since we are talking about bullfighting, now, uh, Hemingway had something that I was, you know, I don't like to describe it because once you describe it, it becomes described and it loses perhaps the best, the best content. He had a particular relation with his father. His father was a medical doctor and you could say that Hemingway felt that his father was not man enough. No man enough. And that, together with his relation with his mother, which is a relation that is started by his mother dressing him as a girl when he was very, very young, maybe two, three. Together with the, you know, with the challenge that every human being has to be herself or himself. The matter of manhood 
was very important for him. Fear of death, acting with courage, with qualities that we we relate to a mature, properly mature human being, were at play. So he focused in war. War was his most important experience. He concentrated in bullfighting, although he didn't bullfight, and hunting big animals, bulls, for example. So there, for him, was not a sport, fishing. He also did a lot of deep, deep ocean fishing. He was he was paramount about it. The old man in the sea. Well, that is, yeah, that's that's one, one phase of it, yeah. So there he was, he was in a way reaching towards curing a wound that he was, that he got when he was very young, and somehow he focused it in certain activities, in which he risked his life, in which he actually had to do it. And that's why I think uh, we see him the way we see him in his writings. So that aspect of manhood, which I don't like to speak about, because there is so many falsifications about it. And also when you mention manhood, it's like you separate yourself from womanhood, which is, you know, then is the end. If you separate manhood from from womanhood, forget it. We have to start again until you realize how both things are intimately related. And uh, and he did he did uh, cast very interesting male characters. Maybe I haven't read his works thoroughly, but I do, I wouldn't say that his interest in manhood was, you know, anecdotic. I think it was important, and that was in the bullfighting. Mm. I read For Whom the Bell Tolls recently, and it really, it, it just resonated with me how, I mean, it, I mean, it also comes back to this Alexander the Great bullfighter that you mentioned. Yeah. Because it's a short period of time. I mean, in this case, it's what, four or five days yes. of the Spanish Civil War. And it's this huge transformation of the man in that short amount of time into this heroic force that confronts his death, faces his death, dies, but doesn't die, and then dies. <laughs> so it's like this, yes. you know? So he dies before he dies. Mm-hmm. And it, but the way it's told... It is amazing. Everything that's happening around it is beautiful expose of not only the time and what was happening in Spain but also the the men that went through it and this character that just resonated that is the greatness of real fiction mm. that is a mirror so you see it in a mirror and if you touch it it's a mirror but if you don't touch it it is <laughs> what is reflected in the mirror yeah. it is Fiction, when it's great, is like that. It's a mirror. Mm. When it's great, when it's successful, you know, mm. that's what I mean. 
It had a great effect on me. And then I remember speaking to Ishak Sierra. Yes. And he told me that both his grandfathers fought in the war, in the civil war. Yes. And they fought on different sides. <sighs> you know? And that, I mean, that must be something very common in Spain. Yes, the civil war. One interesting thing is not about bullfighting, it's about Hemingway and the Civil War, is that I haven't found anybody else who said what you can call the truth. But when he went to Madrid, his sympathies, of course, went towards the Republicans, which were leftists, communists, anarchists, also, you know, some kind of socialists. But it was the left. And when he goes to Madrid, he moves about and he, you know, look, goes into the, I think he went to one of the battle fronts. When he surveyed the panorama, he said, nobody is with the Spanish people, because the left was the people. The right was the landowners, the industrialists, let's say the bourgeois. I don't like the word bourgeois let's say, the wealthy part of the country. So he was talking about the people, the workers, the artisans, the, the people, the farmers, fishermen. He says, nobody gives a damn. The communists, the anarchists, the, of course, the, the nationalists, the Francos, nobody cares about the people. And he has been uh, badly treated by historians of the civil war. But I think he was right. When you when you studied the Civil War, I think you were right. He was right. It's the same thing today. <laughs> Nobody gives a damn about the people. Nobody. These th events are happening. Things are moving. Whether it's this movement or that movement, there's a political and an economical reason for it. Yeah, la raison d'état. But I tell you somebody who cares about the people, the people. Absolutely. The people. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a taxi from Barcelona airport and I was asking the taxi driver about the independence movement and he was really he was really quite negative about it and he was saying like it's not going to happen. And so I was like, Are you Catalan? You know, and and he replies to me, Yes, it's yes, born and raised and he says to me, you know, this thing's going to take generations because the people that are playing the role now, he said, they're just as corrupt as anyone else. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't care about the people. It's, it's a game. I mean, look, I, I don't know enough about the Catalan independence movement, so I don't know, but maybe it's the same thing. I mean, nobody gives a damn about the people. This is a subject that uh, I like to look at it like <laughs> just comes to my mind, maybe it's not a proper example, but it has some interest. Uh, Alan Watts is American specialist in Chinese culture, particularly uh, in um, uh, Zen and Tao, etc. And he was, for this reason, in close communication with Chinese scholars uh, who were aware of the Chinese culture. And I remember that he writes and says, when I asked my friends or colleagues about Mao Zedong and 
his revolution and the transformation of China, they smiled and said, we are patient. This will go away. So I like that point of view for the subject we were talking about. The panorama is a little bit like you started to describe it, but it's something larger than that, you see? Mm. Something larger than that. Yeah. Let's call it history. <laughs> That's a different panorama than <laughs> looking at, you know, yeah, in, the moment. in the moment, the situation here and there, what... what Shifting sands, and things are moving. And something is, something harmonious is taking place. Mm -hmm. Something beautiful, infinitely beautiful. So sometimes when we look about a war close up, or, you know, or an injustice, or the situation of people in, in Nicaragua nowadays, I mean, you, one has to remember the, like Americans like to call it, the big picture. <laughs> <laughs> because it's there. And to be aware of it gives the proper balance yeah. to your vision. And that's something one cannot lose. My fear is that the Spanish culture lost a lot in the civil war in this sense. This deep traditional soul, Spanish soul, like, is like the Chinese. I don't know if once the civil war ended and we moved into Franco's time and the socialists and the whole technological implementation, I'm not sure if the Spanish people have kept that. And a big part of the Spanish cultural identity is the bullfight. Is the bullfight. And that's also being lost. Not totally, but uh, it's on the it's, it's moving towards uh, that way. Yeah. We'll see. You know, I mean, I don't worry. I don't worry at all. At all. It's not a question of worrying, you know. It's because everything is perfect. Allow me to say this naivety. Everything is perfect. So whatever is happening is perfect. That I'm sure of it. Because everything else is perfect. So why this thing is not going to be perfect, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All is perfect. Look at the human body, you know, how it functions without us giving any order. I mean, you know, we don't even participate consciously. Of course we participate, but not consciously. In digestion. I mean, if we don't digest well, we don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to the bullfighter, how much of his engagement with the bull is conscious and how much of it is below the surface? Or is that very dependent? No, 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 below the surface. It's below the surface. I mean, to start with, it's genetic. With a certain, without a certain genetic, how you, profile, as they like today. <laughs> Without a, a certain genetic profile, you don't have it. You don't have bullfighting. So to start with, so you have to have a human being with a certain genetic profile. I mean, like everything else. Yeah, you know, it starts in the mother and the father going to bed together. 
and loving each other and then having intercourse and a coitus and hopefully a child. It starts right there. And in fact, it starts before because it is this man and this woman in particular. So already in the first moment in which she looks at him and says, oh, this one is for me. Right there it starts, bullfighting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the bullfighter starts right there. I mean, I remember my, one of the things I learned teaching in my teaching times was that, that when you were trying to, particularly when we worked at Dallas College, uh, because in Dallas College we concentrated on education more than instruction. Instruction was important, but the most important was education. Mm. Modestly, but it was education. And when you confront the bull of education, you realize in a moment how important is the genetic, to the point that sometimes you say, well, this is as far as we get with this human being because genetically Mm. uh, the limitation is there. So when you are with that human being, you are seeing his father, his mother, his family, the whole thing is in front of you. Of course, you ask questions also, no? But it's in front of you. And you realize, I mean, that I didn't have it at the beginning. That was at the end. In a moment, I used to say, in a bit of an ironic way, I used to say, no, 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 I mean, all the education happens (laughs) in bed. (laughs) Most of the education happens in bed. I mean, I was exaggerating, but I was kind of underlining a very important key aspect. I love that. I love that. There's, there's so much truth in and, it. And, and, and Ian Dallas, he also points out, I remember, I think he's in the Interregnum. Uh, how was it? The Interim is Mine. Is Mine. In the Interregnum is Mine, he starts talking about uh, genetics. You remember? Yeah, that's one of the, the, that's one of the key passages where he quotes, uh, who is it? I think it's Hilaire Belloc. And He's talking about how the English put so much time, energy, research, money, etc., etc., into breeding the perfect horses, but like nobody kind of takes any of that into account with the human. Yeah, and that specifically spoke to me because one of my ancestors brought the mares that bred with the Earl of Godolphin's Arabian stallion that had come from Yemen to create the first thoroughbreds. So some of the mares that this Yemeni stallion mated with to create the first thoroughbreds were from one of my ancestors. Lovely. Yeah, so maybe that's why I have a deep love for horses. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's in your gen- yeah. genetic code. Yeah. But again, that comes back to the bull, because the bull is also not going to be inside the ring unless it has the right genetics. And you know the amazing thing? The cattle grower has bulls and vacas. In other words, the female. The cows, yeah. When you have a herd of toros bravos, young ones, you have to find out which are 
fit for fighting. And you know who they test? The female. Amazing. And you know how they do it? They, you know, they have small rings in their growing uh, ranchos or right. haciendas or cortijos. And they have it there. It's small, it's a, you know, but it's not good enough. And inside of the ring, there is on horse, a man with a long uh, yeah. prod, yeah. Eh? but hurts because it has a point. Let's say there are six vacas, six female. This is literal, you know, I'm not... And they call one in. So the female comes, young, it's like an adolescent almost, yeah. comes, sees the horse, goes directly towards the horse because he wants to go out, but he has to confront this yeah. because, I mean, he's, he's not letting the bull out, so he has to confront it. So he goes directly, and of course, when, it, when it's two meters, more or less, yeah, maybe a meter and a half, before he gets to the horse, crack, on her back, the peak. Yeah. So, goes back. <coughs> Three steps, four steps, looks again. If it has the fighting quality, it goes again, and again, and again, and again. Every time it gets hurt, every time it doesn't reach the horse, when he, when he has done it a number of times, the cattle grower says, okay, this is a good one, boom. And that female goes into a corral. And one day, you, there is six females there, for example, in the corral, and suddenly you see in the top of the hill, a male coming. And he's coming with, you know, he's being driven by three guys with spikes, you know, boom, 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 boom to the corral. And now he's going to fecund the females. Yeah. Now, the cattle growers say, I don't know about it, they say, the female gives the fighting spirit, the fighting genetics, the fighting blood. Yeah. And the male gives the beauty, the form. Of course, it's not totally accurate because the bullfight, the male has already received also yeah. that fighting force, but is the female that they choose. Of course, the male is also chosen, yeah. Yeah, because he's like uh, in horses and a stallion. Yeah. But I wanted to say something before he goes away. Yes, the thing is that, in my opinion, a modest opinion, I should say, everything has its historical expression. So, yes, there is a natural womanhood, a natural manhood, but historically the expression can change. Many things that we relate to men are not important. Manhood is important, natural manhood, and natural womanhood. But many of the things that in the 19th century are related to men and to women those are not important at all. Those are the historical, mm. the historical uh, uh, enactments, you see, but it can change. Mm. So you can see a woman doing new things and that's not important, the new things that she's doing or men doing new things that in another century were not done by men, but that's not important. The important thing is, is still 
still the natural malehood and the natural femalehood is there because that is a temporal so you are a musician but the expression of what to be a musician is is historical there you have the beatles the rolling stones david bowie i'm talking about my time you know mm -hmm. i mean it's like you know archaic but the beatles great musicians great musicians i mean amazing musicians i mean we are talking of mozart but we are talking about you know great musicians yeah. the way they enacted in their historical time was she loves you yeah 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 <laughs> Right? Yeah. But they were musicians. So both things are there. Yeah. The musician and the historical expression. But it's very different to Mozart or Beethoven. Uh, well, in a way it's different, but in another way it's not. Because music, music is a auditive signs, structures, canons, fugues, symphonies. I mean, all that is music. All those musical elements. So you can take yes, you can take Miles Davis. Miles Davis is, you know, I mean, you don't compare beauty with beauty. You don't do that. Cervantes was very, you know, very paramount on this. You don't compare beauty with beauty. So you don't compare Mozart's beauty with Miles Davis' beauty. No, both are musicians. Mm. I'm, I'm not able to say if Mozart is higher or Miles Davis is higher. I don't even care. I don't even care. It's not a point. When an artist confronts tradition, let's say, when, when Marx Ernst goes to Italy and spends a time there, he's in Rome, my gosh, and he's looking at the all the art of the Renaissance, and he's looking at the Roman sculptures, which are copies of the Greek sculptures. So he's looking at this immense execution highest art he says what am i going to do now i'm a painter but am i going to repeat them i will never be as good as them mm. never i would be an epigon i don't know if you know this word i would be an epigon in other words i would be uh, the last executant of a tradition of a very great tradition so he says you know that no I mean, that is not even interesting, because why, well, then I go to see Tiziano, you know? Tiziano did it 100% or 60%. I'm going to do 10%, 20%. So he has to find out what is to be a painter in his time, in his moment, and in himself. Mm. See, this is very interesting. And that's how modern art one of the ways modern art comes out because he has to find out what is to be a painter in other words a Tiziano now mm. in this moment and you see and then we have Marx Ernst or we have uh, or we have Paul Klee which nothing like Tiziano but it's painting as much as Tiziano yeah because I mean that's what I'm trying to, I mean, almost, almost the fuel of this journey is how does one be heroic now? Let's see how we could see it from another angle, 
what you are trying to do. I'm not talking as a knowledgeable person at all. I'm talking about, you know, a friend talking to another friend. You know. What are you trying to find? In a way, you are trying to find something that you feel is slightly lost. Eh? So it is a human being. You are trying to uh, recuperate somehow, bring it out to the surface from the people, because you are visiting different people, something that is being, you feel that is being lost. And you call that the heroic aspect of the human being, the Achilles aspect of the human being. But if you look at the Achilles or Achilles, I don't know how you say in English, Achilles? In English you say Achilles, but then if you use the Greek it's Achilleus. Mm, of so course. Let's say Achilleus, you know. So if you, if you bring the Achilleus element, what are you bringing out? A number of things. But the main thing that you are bringing out is what is represented in his shield. That is what Achilleus represents as, a, as, as that element of the human. Mm. I think that is what you are looking at. Yeah. Well, it's all in the shield. If you read the shield, mm. you are near to that element that you want to reemerge. You, you want to take it out, mm. to give it back. Eh? It's all in the shield, to me. Eh? Yeah, but, <coughs> but it is. Because on the shield... Tell me what is in the shield. There's people getting married. And more. There's people working the land. And more. There's rivers, there's stars, there's warriors, there's... And the divine. And there's the divine. It's, it's all the divine. It's all the divine. It is the manifestation of the divine. Mm. Without the limitation of... The kingdom of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's also but the kingdom of, na of, 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 of darkness is absolutely necessary, otherwise we wouldn't have light. Mm. But it's also there's a harmony. It's harmonious. It's everything's it's a circle. And there we have the protagonist is the people. The protagonists are the people. Yeah. It's all there. So in a sense, bullfighting is interesting as much as helps to bring to the present a cloud's shield. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a cloud's shield is not the only symbol that is for the Western culture in one of the sources of the Western culture, which is the Greek. Mm -hmm. But you have in the world so many other cultures. So, and you have different symbols of the same nature. And then you said before that that all leads to spontaneity. Mm. Exactly. Which is what Achilles had uppermost, was a spontaneity. Yeah. He was spontaneous in his anger. He was spontaneous in his pain. He was spontaneous in his attachments. He was totally spontaneous yeah. in the Iliad. Yeah, 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 you see? Absolutely. So the spontaneous is what Achilles brings forth mm. at the core. Because if you are spontaneous, then you are 
fully or closer to what the human being is. And the human being is, is made of the divine. Nothing else. Nothing else. How else? <laughs> How else the human being is made? Of what? If it's not the divine. I mean, <laughs> call, it, call it whatever you want. You can call it particles of energy if you want, you know, that we don't know exactly what they are, waves or simply, uh, you know. Uh, Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's the divine. The human being is made with the divine. Of course, the divine cannot be experimented except in his manifestation. Mm. But Ooh. it's fully manifested. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this cigar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now I listen to the rain. Mm. The rain, yeah. It's interesting. Every stop I've made on the way, it's rained. <laughs> you could say you are bringing the rain, mm -hmm. the rain man. <laughs> Allah brings the rain. Man, Allah brings the rain, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a fact. It's a fact. Then you can read it as you wish. Yeah. Well, I was in, uh, in Mantova. And the first day I get there, I look at the weather report, and it says thunderstorm every single day of the week. And the next day comes, and no thunderstorm. Beautiful, hot, lovely day. And the next day comes, and the next thunderstorm, no thunderstorm. <laughs> and the next day, and then one day they said, no, the thunderstorm is going to come at 10 o'clock at night. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. So I walk all the way into Mantova, the, into the old town, and look at the castle, and I'm walking around, and I found this garden with the statue of Virgil. I'm like, wow, this is amazing, what a wonderful trip. And I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, okay, because I was supposed to go to a puppet show with, with my sister. I said, okay, look, I need to, if I'm, if I'm going to come home now, I need, I've got so much time. Blah, blah, blah. I said, like, no, I, I want to just see this garden a little bit more. So I explored the garden a bit and I walked around. I spent an extra five minutes there and then I was like, okay, now it's time to go. Start walking back. I'm about 10 minutes away from the house. There's a bolt of lightning and it just throws down the rain. It was like, but those heavy droplets yes, yeah. and it got absolutely soaked. And so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run back to the house because then I'm not gonna get so wet. And then I was just like, why? Just enjoy it. You know? Yes, exactly, exactly. Exactly. And there was this lady and she was standing under one of those um, umbrella that comes up. And she was standing there and I was just looking at her like, this rain's not going to stop. <laughs> you know, you're standing there waiting for the rain to stop so you can go where you need to go. You know, I don't blame the lady. <laughs> no, not at all, but I was just kind of looking at Simply her. Simply, you, you are living your own life and yeah. she's living her own life. It's what we were saying at the moment of being in a journey. You are closest to the experience that we should have every moment in which we live in a miracle. I mean, you are saying you are bringing the rain. I mean, of course, because we live in this miracle. No, I said, said it. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's a way of saying it, in my case, that you bring the rain, that we live in the miracle. We live in the miracle. And when we travel, it's easier to see it. Yeah. Because what other people call chance, we call it 
the miracle of being yeah. in the in the hands of the divine. And then it's like again when we were sitting earlier, there's nothing more guaranteed than an accident. <laughs> it's the reverse of chance because chance has that kind of positive connotation that yes, it's nice. Oh, this thing beautifully happened because of chance. But at the same time, the car crash where two cars smash into each other, you know, one person's tired, the other person's racing to work, and what, everything that's come before that, or maybe the one tire's not been changed, whatever the reason why that tire is about to pop, is exactly why those cars hit at that exact moment. So it. And that lady, <laughs> that lady is waiting for her granddaughter to come out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> <you see? laughs> And, you know, and going with her to uh, visit a relative. Mm -hmm. So she's doing the most charming thing, which is waiting for her granddaughter oh. with a loving heart. Absolutely. You see, it's happening at the same time than the accident. Yeah, and there I am <laughs> And you <myself>. soaking. It's <laughs> <laughs> the, like, <laughs> the beauty of the 1,000 manifestations, or 10,000 manifestations. 10 billion manifestations in this second in the universe. But of course, when things get tough, it's more difficult yeah. to actually keep serene and, and, and be able to look beyond, uh, you know, this amazing multi-level, multitudinous amount of phenomenal things that are happening of, you know, all kinds of shades. They are made with the same yeah. element or maybe the word element is not the proper, but with the same thing. <laughs> same. It's all made with the same essence. Mm. And that's how I look too to the people who are against bullfighting. Um, you know, I don't blame them at all. They are just a historical manifestation, mm. you know? And they are, you know, if you look at them, you understand them. I just hope that, you know, they don't bring down the fiesta. I just hope. But anyway, I mean, fiesta has a destiny. Everything has the same destiny than an apple. Green, red, mature, down to the floor, to the stomach. Everything has this cycle, no? Back to the earth. Yeah, it might disappear and appear again. Yeah. On that note, it's the, the, what do they call it? The gladiator fights yes. in Rome. Yes. They were a thing. They were Before a thing. In Rome, they would never have thought that this thing could possibly end. Yes. Now, <laughs> what you've got are the ruins of the Colosseum, and the, the, the remains of what was the, the, the chariot ring. Yeah, ring, yeah. And then the next question is, how is the gladiator thing taking place today? In Wimbledon? In Roland Garros? Or... In the in the bottom of the for of the Amazonian forest, you know, things don't disappear. I mean, Junger used to say something that might be interesting to you now that you talk about the hero. He says, the way a hero, an artist, a believer, etc., the archetypes, take place in each moment of history is different. Let's say, the the holy man or the holy woman. He had a form in the 16th century, in the 12th century, in the 6th century. But today it exists, but it has a different form. It doesn't have the form that it had in the 16th century. 
where, I mean, or in the form of San Francisco's disease, or in the form of Ibn al-Arabi, or in the form of, you know, it has another form. So hero, it has a form today. That's very interesting. Yeah. First, to find out what the essence of it is, which we in, in part describe in the shield of Achilles, and the other thing is which form it takes today. And the chariot race exists in Formula One. In Formula One. <laughs> in Formula One. Yeah. As dangerous as the chariot, the chariot races. And also the, the spectators are getting a very similar experience. Yeah. Very interesting thing to me, and that word interesting is not the right one, but is the traje de luces, uh, which in English would be the suit of lights. I mean, is made of silk, very tight, very, the body is, you know, tight, 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 so the bull cannot grasp it with a horn easily. But it's very delicate. I mean, if you are to confront a beast, you should get some kind of, a, logically, some kind of defense. Mm. Now, the cloth is the least of the defenses because it's silk. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's like a stocking. I mean, <laughs> what kind of defense is that? Yeah. And when you are sometimes eating with uh, bullfighters, you have the matador, the, the bullfighter, the figure, and then you have his team. Mm. And you have the guys that, picadores that are on horse, you know, with the lances, and you have the helpers. Now, the most refined usually is the bullfighter. Mm. Most delicate hands, most delicate feet, often the most delicate body, very agile, because your feet had to be Fred Astaire minimum. Your feet had to be Fred Astaire quality, dancing, or Nureyev, or, mm. you know, or Margot Fontenin, or you have to, your feet had to be incredibly good. But it's, it's usually the delicate human being, not the burly, no, 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 it's, it's delicate. I mean, I used to, at the beginning it was shocking to me because I said, my gosh, He's the most delicate of the team. And he is the one who is confronting the bull. Mm. And the other ones are helpers. <laughs> I found it all, always, uh, you know, very uh, evocative. Once again, I'm just thinking of Formula One. <laughs> the drivers are very s slim and very, s they tend to be quite short. Not Not short, but they're not, they're not big, they're, they're very light and deli delicate. Delicate. Very strong. Yeah. Extremely strong. And I mean, they, they strengthen their neck muscles and all of these things to withstand the... Shock. The G-force, you know, as they're going around the corner of under braking, where when a Formula One brakes to go around a hairpin from 360 kilometers an hour to 70 or 80, you know, that shock is like driving a truck into a brick wall. Oh. And they're doing it lap after lap after lap after lap and staying 100% concentrated you know one mistake and into the barrier you know dead <laughs> yeah and but they're, they're quite delicate and you have all of this these power players around the driver big money 
big business competition everyone fighting to be the best team to get the most the biggest paycheck and all of the branding and marketing material and everything and the drivers it's all reliant on the driver and the drivers are are very fine not all of them Mm. and they also have that fighting spirit but again definitely somebody like Lewis Hamilton you know he he speaks well Mm. he holds himself well Mm. and after the race he'll always congratulate the team yeah yeah it's not just him and he understands that and he appreciates Mm. that Uh, I'm seeing the similarities even though the two things are completely different but they're the same (laughs) I mean once you start to read two Formula One and bullfighting you can keep reading Mm. other activities that have the same essence of course these ones are easier to to look at to contemplate because they are so strong Mm. signs and but it happens in an array big spectrum of human activities the same event so it hap- it helps to see two to see three and then four i mean i remember something from junger again dear writer he says regarding this subject that to have the experience of war or not having the experience of war he says well now troy is in the heart of the human being troy the battlefield is in now is in the heart of the human being so your son was totally right apparently <laughs> he was he was he was, <laughs> he was. and that was my question is like was he conscious of that well, who cares yeah right i mean he doesn't be he doesn't need to be him you know he was just part of something very large who spoke through him which is a spontaneity <laughs> It was a spontaneity. And who is more spontaneous than the child? Exactly. And and that's why at the end of many, many paths of wisdom is to be like a child. (laughs) Not to be a child, but to be like a child. That's at the end. I mean, literally. Spontaneous. It's something you cannot obtain by will. By a kind of will, <laughs> by a kind of will, which is not not having any will, <laughs> which is a higher aspect of willing. <laughs> to merge with will, with to merge with will, to merge with will. After recording this episode, I continued on my travels and ended up in Granada to be there in time for the bullfight. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to two of the matadors that I saw in the bullring in Granada on both of the days, really as a thank you for them showing me how to face the beast and how to face the beast with pride, honor, with your back up straight and with absolute beauty. So thank you to Elfandi and Andres Rocarey. I'm really grateful. So once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm so appreciative for all of the support that I'm getting. And just a reminder, this is public. Please do share. The further it gets, the better. 
Thank you.